0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Kelly. And Kelly was married to a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a story of being good enough, smear campaigns, PTSD, and attempted murder. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what? Is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And before we get to our episode with Kelly, I just first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. At the top of the page, You'll see a a button there that says uh, guest form. You press on that button, takes you to a guest form, you fill it out, and we will go from there. But another way to be part of our show is to also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and to read a letter to your narcissist and be a part of our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode. We have a button on that page. So on the side of the page, it's a floating button that says send voicemail. It records. Up to five minutes. So if you need 10 minutes, you got to press it twice. Anyway, record on there. We'll go from there. And if you don't want to read the letter yourself, send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put letters to my narcissist and myself or my old pal Melissa will read your letter instead. Other things on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. We are offering high-conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com courses. Yes, we have now partnered with an online parenting company, and many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy, who is an expert in dealing with high-conflict individuals in court, and now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children, too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country, so if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. What else do we have for you? Oh, we have our Patreon, everyone. If you want to support the show, go to our Patreon you know what a patreon is it's kind of like a fan club you know we put extra stuff on there we have episodes that have never made it to air follow-up episodes with former guests and much much more so to be part of our patreon supporting the show please do go to patreon.com slash narcissist apocalypse and last thing before we start the show myself And my old pal, Melissa, are conducting a test episode of a new podcast on Wednesday. It's a call-in show. It's called The Hoover Hotline. It's going to be a very lighthearted show. So if you're being hoovered or you're about to be breaking no contact, just call us instead. We'll be taking your mind off of things, having a good time. We may have some drinks, a cigarette or two. You have no idea what's going to happen. We're just going to do our best to have a good time. Take your mind off of things. Who knows what's going to happen? It's Wednesday at 730. And the phone number for that show to call in is 845-688-4100. I will put it in the description of this show. And the first caller that gets through, that will be our call for the night. For the Hoover Hotline, our test episode, we'll see what happens, if it works or not. Hopefully, this is the first of many, and we will go from there. Anyway, enough with that. Before we get started with the show, with Kelly, we do discuss two events of intimate partner violence on this episode. So I'm just sending out a trigger warning for everyone. And I also want to thank Kelly for taking part on the show. She did a tremendous job telling her story, and I was hanging off of every word of this story. You barely, barely hear a peep out of me this whole entire time. So thank you, Kelly, for taking part. And now it's time for the show and for me to get out of my way and your way. Here is my conversation with Kelly. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Kelly. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I am uh, doing well. And today we are going to hear... Uh, Your story of abuse And you have a couple of stories However we're going to concentrate on story number two And one day you might come back And do story uh, number one with us But we'll do like a brief rundown For everyone to kind of uh, Get a good gist of uh, what was kind of going on in your life And and still goes on in your life And um, you know This is a pretty um, Kind of movie Of the week um, Scary story and, um, you know, I'm just uh, going to get out of my way and your way. Uh, Kelly, the floor is all yours.
1: Okay, well, I guess to start just a little bit about myself, I, I'm just like a – I've always been. I was the shy kid in school. I was kind of nerdy. I'm a natural blonde, so it was kind of funny looking because I have – naturally clear eyelashes and clear eyebrows so kids made a lot of fun of me and I think that it built a lot of self esteem issues uh, early on by the time I hit middle school or I guess early high school I got really really pretty I don't know what happened it was like my mom called me the ugly duckling for that reason but I think the scars were already there and, and so I think that's what initially made me an easy target for these types of people uh, because I've had, you know, many different issues with them. But anyways, I got married, um, right around her Katrina. I was from Louisiana and, um, I got married to a guy. We had, uh, two children together. He was very abusive. He cheated on me consistently throughout the marriage. I mean, pretty much any, every day of the week with lots, lots of different people. And in fact, sometimes people he met on Craigslist, um, he, uh, he and I, I finally got enough when uh, the district attorney of the parish that we were living in basically was like, if you don't leave, I'm taking your children from you. So I had to move two states away to go to where my family was living because they had moved out of state, and it was good because of all his stalking and stuff. That was the only way I was ever going to escape that. And um, anyway, so I took my two kids, and I moved up to this state, and... Um, moved in with my parents. I had nothing. Um, I got on my feet and eventually I got to a place where I felt healed enough to where I could start dating again. And, you know, we live in the age of technology. I, uh, I decided to try out a dating app <laughs> and I actually met a lot of nice people out of there. I'm still not sure why I chose this guy, but, um, out of all of them, there was this one guy who he just was—he was not the most attractive guy uh, that I'd ever met. He had a plain, normal job. I mean, I had gone on dates with wealthier men and um, had a lot of potential suitors, but he was just an ordinary, everyday guy. I liked fishing, loved Jesus. He was very religious. Uh, and uh, the thing that got me about him was he wanted to meet my kids. He wanted—he wanted to be that. They never had that father figure with the, with the uh, my ex number one because. He, he was just so self-absorbed, but anyways, um, I just it made me fall in love with him. I, I couldn't believe somebody wanted to teach my little boy how to fish. Um, anyway, uh, basically we started dating. Um, a lot of it, you know, we'd go out at night, but still he was there the very next day, you know, doing stuff with me and my kids, just wooing me very hard talking about you know i mean how pretty i was and and all this other stuff and just you know how great we were and you know like he'd never dated anyone before i mean i mean he really put me on a pedestal um and he again he wasn't very attractive but he was nice looking and he seemed like a very nice guy which was completely opposite of the first man that i was with because first one was very pompous and arrogant, and he was very good looking. I mean, he looked like a model, the first one, their father. So, the second one, you know, I was like, well, you know, the looks, I can I can definitely, you know, with that, if the guy just treats me so well, I don't know. And anyways, um, months go by, we end up, um, i say probably six months, he's ready to get married. Oh, he's dying to get married. So, I said, okay. Well, let's do it. You know, and um,
0: so uh, before we so continue, uh, during that time, uh, those first six months, uh, were there red flags that might have popped up that uh, you ignored or didn't see because you were blinded by you know, uh, you know, uh, the love bombing and how you were being treated.
1: There was actually a couple. Um, one. Uh, incident was that I took him to meet. I have a friend here that I had made, and she's my very best friend here, my only friend. And I brought him over there to meet her, and he was really a jerk about the whole way there. I didn't understand why he was being so moody. But when we got there, he put on a, you know, his happy face and he tried to pretend like he was happy. And I, um, found out after the fact, every time I was talking and I'm just talking about how great our relationship was and how happy I finally was in my life. He was rolling his eyes behind my head. Like he was like sitting a little bit further back from me and like rolling his eyes about it. Like I I guess like I was a joke or something. And the other thing was my, at the time my Pawpaw had moved up here along. My mother was his only daughter. And so my Pawpaw and my mom had bought adjacent land and my Pawpaw found out he had cancer, colon cancer. And uh, this guy used to go and visit my papa a lot because my papa was into hunting and fishing and all that stuff. They really bonded. My whole family loved this guy. And, um, papa's chemo pills went missing. We couldn't understand why his chemo, his chemo, he lived alone. My grandmother said since I was two. His chemo pills just disappeared. Well, uh, right after that happened, The the guy, my ex's mother, calls me and says, he is just too sick to see you tonight. He asked me to call you. He's throwing up. He's violently ill. We may have to take him to the hospital. I I don't know what's going on with him, but he he wanted to make sure you knew that he wasn't going to be able to make it tonight because he is just too sick. Well, about a week later, right after his next visit, that bottle showed back up. And that was something weird too, because I I did kind of catch on that there was something there that was like he shows up and the pills show up, and that's kind of funny, you know. But anyway, um, that and um, there were times that he would make these comments at me that were like he was saying it in a loving way, but he <laughs> he was. Locking me down off of my pedestal, making sure that I knew I was as imperfect as I was. Like how lucky I was to find a man that I, w- I would actually give a woman with two children a, a chance. And, uh, you know, that maybe maybe my first ex wasn't so bad. Maybe it was all of my crazy that made him act that way. But there was little things, yeah. But, I mean, this guy was pretty slick, so he didn't let it slip off him.
0: Mm-hmm. So at the six-month mark, at that point, he wanted you to um, to get married. or yeah. uh, and So what happened from there?
1: Well, I got all excited. You know, I had never had a wedding with the first husband. I had gotten pregnant, and so we had, like, kind of a justice to the peace sort of thing. And so I wanted a wedding. My parents had never thrown me one. They threw one for my younger sister, but I never got to have the traditional wedding. So I was excited. And so I start planning. I've got a cousin back down from where I'm from who makes handmade jewelry, beautiful jewelry. And he had offered to make it, for, um, make a ring for me because he had not given me a ring. He had offered to make a ring for me from scratch. Um, this ex number two has uh, diamonds that his mother had given to me when she found out he was planning to marry me. And she says, look, these are the diamonds that his father. Um, and got engaged to me with his grandmother. This is a family heirloom. Um, they didn't look like anything special. They were just small little diamonds, but I would like you to include them in whatever ring you guys pick out. And he was there too. And I took the diamonds and, um, and I talked to my cousin who was a jewelry maker and he was going to do it basically for free. I mean, no charge. And, this guy's like, the ex is like, well, no, I I, I, I don't want that. I, I don't understand why you're just, just put them away. Just, just put them to the side. You, you don't need a ring and just make it up all these excuses. And, and, and I'm sitting here trying to plan and stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't understand why your mother wants me to use these diamonds. You haven't given me an engagement ring. What am I to do? I've gotten you an engagement ring almost for free. Most guys would be happy. And he's like, you know, I I just don't even have time to think about this. I I, I don't know. I don't know. And so I just put the engagement ring thing to the side, and I settled for less, and I said, well, we'll still have a wedding. Well, in the meantime, my mother is pressuring me because she didn't want to have to take her adult daughter back in, and what mother does, and her two kids, she's saying, if you guys are getting married, you need to go and get your own house. Well, this... Uh, and my ex, he had always bragged about what good credit he had. He Just this amazing credit. He made very good money at the plain, simple job he worked. It was decent money enough to get a home. I thought, why not? Our two incomes, we can do it. He's got great credit. Mine's not so great because of my divorce and because of the things I went through. But I'm sure with his, we can get a house. Well, we start looking at houses, and we get shot down left and right. I mean, just left and right. Now I know he has lied about his credit. I know he has. There is something definitely wrong in the situation. He won't give me an engagement ring. Um, My papa is consistently complaining to me that his pills are going, missing this pill, pain pill, or that pill. Um, My mother is telling me she needs to talk to me, and he can't get a house on this great credit of his and um, my mom's also wanting me to move out. Well, anyways, I'll get to why my mom wanted to talk to me in a few minutes because it did take her a few months to actually actually sit down and talk to me. She didn't know what to think. I think she didn't want to believe what he said. But anyways, um, back to it. He um, Basically, we had a house for sale at the bottom of the hill, another piece of property adjacent to where my parents and my pawpaw were living, and it was a little small two-bedroom house. Um, but the kids could share a room and they were wanting, uh, a small amount for it. it had six acres. It seemed perfect. And I knew the owner, the deceased owner's daughter who who now inherited, I thought maybe I could work out a deal. So somehow I talked to this girl, I tell her about my situation. I somehow talked her down to half price and I got the loan on my own. Well, immediately When I I get this going, he's talking about how he wants his name on it. He wants this in his name and that in his name and this in his name. And I'm thinking to myself, you didn't even help me get this place. But I'm happy and I'm in love and I'm marrying him. So I start trying to incorporate him and we get the proper paperwork for him to be included on the title. But that... um. He's supposed to go get that taken care of and stuff because everything was already signed for and it gone through. The way we did the deal, my mom is a paralegal, so we were able to take care of most of it through our firm. So we didn't even need to include him, and and, the, and it was pretty simple. Anyways, um, he never filed that paperwork. But in the meantime, um, he comes home one day because we've already moved in this house and we're living together. But we're not married yet. He comes home one day and says, I've taken off Friday. We're getting married that day. And I said, okay, so no wedding. Uh, why? Are you, where? What, what is going on? He says, we'll go down to the courthouse. We'll get ourselves a marriage certificate and we'll find a justice of the peace. And that's how we're going to do this. And then I'll take you down to our, we had this, uh, place that we would go to was a lake. He liked fishing and stuff. So we had his own boat. We'd go down there by the lake and, um. You know, we'll go boat riding and and do what we normally do, and that'll be how we celebrate our honeymoon. So I came in. I got my mom to watch the kids. Um, He locked up the house, and we get in the vehicle, and we go, and we get married in some attorney's office with his parents as the witnesses. My mom and dad were not invited. Still don't know why that didn't happen. But um, anyways, that night... We are supposed to have our honeymoon. I'm all excited the whole way. He's being moody, he's being quiet, he's being weird. um We check into a motel instead of the normal family house we stay at that's on the lake, which is weird and immediately when I walk into this motel, it's almost like he he did this on purpose. but when we walk into this motel, this girl behind the counter she's younger than me um I was four years older than this gentleman. And uh, this girl is in her early 20s. And by this point, I'm 32. And she's acting jealous. She's acting moody. She's acting shifty. And I know that he hangs out in this town a lot when he's not with me. He likes being on the lake. He likes fishing. He does tournaments here. And she's just acting so weird. So anyways, we check in. We put our stuff down. He says, let's go down to the bar. So we go down to the bar. And the whole time, uh, this girl has apparently gotten off of her shift. She's down at the bar. She's cutting up over here in the corner, dancing, uh, making a big show of herself, oh, almost like she knew him and she was trying to make him jealous. And he was continuously making comments about my weight. Um, another gentleman in the bar had come over and this was not something abnormal to me. You know, he was apparently, he was flirting with me and, um, and I just, you know, talked with him and we all played pool and stuff. And he's like, um, he's not, flirt-, cause I walked over to him. I'm like, Hey, he's flirt He's flirting with me. I think I think he's flirting with me, you know, just picking. And he's like, he's not flirting with you. Nobody'd be interested in you. You gained so much weight. Stop. And in the meantime, this girl is really making this huge scene. And um, I was like, what's this girl's deal? Does she know you? I don't know her. I don't know anyone from here. I'm like, then why does she keep walking by, bumping you in the shoulder, winking at you, dancing, like provocatively, just acting completely crazy? I mean, just a second ago, she was working in the lobby. Most people don't act like that where they work, you know? It was just weird. Um, anyways, I, I probably think that he had probably, that was an ex or someone he was seeing, even up until the point we got married, but I never did find out. Anyways, we go up to the hotel room after that. He is back to his moody self. Uh, we do not consummate marriage. That does not happen, um, which he knew that in my first marriage, that really made me suffer when I got married the first time because, that didn't happen in fact it didn't happen for the first couple of months in my first marriage because i was treated like i was disgusting and not good enough and not worthy of him anymore and this is exactly what this guy is doing to me now in the second marriage i told him one of the most vulnerable places in me something that hurt me so severely and i'm watching him do it to me and he's acting like he just is not attracted to me he'd like to go to sleep he's Completely exhausted. I'm crazy, and he just wants to go to sleep. So that's what he did. And so I fixed myself a stiff drink and sat up the entire night crying in the hotel room. The next day, we packed our stuff. We never went on the lake, and we came back to our house. We get back to well, my house, really. We get back to my house, and my doors are wide open. The only two people on the earth that I assume have the keys are me and him. But we've been gone, and he said he locked them. The doors have been open all weekend. I have no clue what that was about. I don't know if he's made a key for his family members or what's going on here. So I just brush it to the side, and we come in. I'm upset enough already. We come in, we unpack, and we start our life together. Well, immediately I start noticing things. Uh, this house was in mint condition when I first looked over it. It's an older home; it's from the fifties. Um, but the man who owned it, I knew very well. He's like a member of our family. He's an electrician, and he took very good care of this place. Very, very good care. Well, the air conditioner went out almost immediately. Just. And we, I had a friend who, who worked on air conditioning, in fact, a neighbor, an, a, another older man, and he came over and looked at it, and he, could, he couldn't even figure He says, it looks like somebody has made the wiring under the house backwards. It's the craziest thing, almost like they're trying to catch a fire. So he, he fixed the little thing, and whatever it is. I'm not really good with that stuff, but he fixed whatever it was, and he said, all right, well, we've got you fixed up, and my air conditioner was working again. And then all of a sudden, um... The ceiling fan was making noise, the one above my bed in my bedroom, and it was acting funny, like the lights were going on and off and acting weird. Well, I knew X number two took school to be an electrician. I knew he knew how to fool with this stuff, so I asked him to look at it, and his dad knew how to work on this stuff, um, so I asked him to look at it, um, and it never did get fixed, and... He is, I think, every time he touches something, breaking it more. Um, for instance, we had bought a dishwasher to go in here since this place didn't have one, and he puts the dishwasher in, and it it just won't work. It, your house is the only house in the United States that a dishwasher won't work in. <laughs> it just won't work. Um, He just wasn't trying to help anything, and the things that I did have continuously would go out. Anyways, um, and then I started noticing he was working more. He would go to work for Monday through Friday, the whole time we were dating, and he would have to work maybe one Saturday every couple of months. He, he worked for a local water department. So it's not like he, you know, um, had this big job. He had to be like a police officer or anything like that on call. Her. He worked for a water department. Um, but all of a sudden he had to work every Saturday and Sunday, every Monday through Friday, every single one. And uh, basically he was being more cold and more distant than ever. And when we were going to places... In town, like this one particular gas station, I had made this gas station because at the time I owned my own business. I made all natural, like beef serums and soaps and things like that. And I had made friends around here because I had a lot of my customers. I just bring them their products. They give me the money and whatever. Well, I had sent him one time to go and deliver this really young college girl's products to her who worked at this gas station. And I said, look, this is her. Just give her the stuff. She'll give you the money for it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just too tired. And so he did go. Well, after that, all of these girls start treating me so weird. Nobody's buying my products anymore. This girl is turning her nose up every time I go in there. And it's just I've never had a problem with not being able to make friends. I'm nice to everyone I meet, and it's really hurtful because this is affecting my business, too. And um, anyways, he had friends back from where he was from a town about 30 minutes from there, and we would go and see these friends all the time. Like, I'd get a babysitter, and we would go, and we'd have drinks and sit by the pool and maybe barbecue and stuff like that. He'd introduce me to all of those during the the wooing stage, and he just he would walk off with people, and then I would notice that that person would no longer want to be around me or would act strange around me, and and this was months after I'd met them, and I'd, I'd, I'd made a friendship with them. I'm not from here, so any friend I can get, I'm happy to have, but here now, after we're married, these people are starting to act weird towards me. And um, we went there one night, and they were telling us about how it was an older couple, how their son, who was his best friend, was getting married. And they were telling him about how he was going to walk in the wedding, and it was going to be at the beach, and this is what day it is, and all this other stuff. And um, and so we had started making plans to go down to that. Well, they were telling us how we could stay in their condo, we could bring the kids, it would be free to us, all we have to do is pay for our own gas and all this other great stuff and i was excited to bring my kids to the beach and so we all pack up and we go and we get down there and he rents us this really cruddy hotel room and i'm like why aren't we going to stay with and um, why are we staying here and um, he's like i don't know blah 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 i i just want to stay i want my own peace and my privacy and this and that just making up excuses well blowing up my phone saying, hey, why, where are y'all at? We're having this big party. at the wedding weekend. We're going to have so much fun. We're waiting on your kids. There's other kids here. Why are you guys not here? I said, you know, I said, I don't know. Let me ask ex number two. And X number two, like, don't respond to her anymore. Don't say anything else to her. Um, just leave her alone. Well, so I didn't respond to her. Well, that was my mistake because apparently he was on his phone letting her know that I was throwing a temper tantrum. I thought I was too good to stay in their condo. He had to spend all of this money to give me this nice hotel room for me and my children and all of his money on his, his gas money because I was unwilling to help him pay for any gas for this wedding. And the wedding is the next day. And so I show up at this wedding, and people are sneering at me because this is the lady holding the wedding, and she's friends with everybody there. And no one is speaking to me or my kids. No one will give us a seat. We have to stand during the whole wedding. And he walks off immediately once we get there to go walk in the bridal party. And we're just treated completely bad. Anyways, um... I really was hurt. We go to the reception, and no one talks to us. Me and my two children sit at the table by ourselves and eat our reception food. While Meanwhile, he's flirting with the girls like he's not married, and he's dancing, and he's having a good time. He's acting like I'm not there either. Um, On the way home, he picks a fight with me. So, here I am in hot water again, and I'm still unaware of anything I've done because it wasn't you know I didn't find out at that weekend that he had said the things he said, otherwise I would' have been able to take up for myself um, so anyways, we get back home and i'm I'm hurt, I'm upset, but I let it go because I love this guy, and my whole family loves him, and they never even loved the first guy, so there must be something wrong with me at this point. Because for me to be being mistreated by someone that's so good and so perfect that everyone loves, I must be defective. This is what I'm thinking. Um, anyway, he started spending more time at his family. And I had become really close with his mother and father. I would visit with them. I would bring them cakes. I was trying to get close to them. And they were very nice people, like the most warm-hearted, nice people you could ever meet. Um, I even started trying to go to their church, even though we're not the same religion. I'm Catholic, and they're Baptist, just to try to be close to these people, my new in-laws. And I'm noticing here lately they're making comments about me and my jealousy and my controlling ways. And I'm thinking to myself, this are you? Are you kidding me? This guy does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And I don't even try to control him. I don't understand what's going on. Um and and, and I apologize. I need to back up because okay. I need to go back and mention the fact that I completely forgot this. Uh two, three days after we got married, um, I woke up that morning to go on a job interview because my at-home business wasn't making enough and I was going to get something part-time. And I went out to my car and it was on a flat. And so I go out there. I know how to change a flat. I started to change it. And he was supposed to be at work. He shows up here and says, oh, no, I'll fix that. And by the way, we have a lunch with my uncle and my mother and my aunts today. Um, we need to go to this. And I say, okay, why? Well, I'm going to put you on my medical insurance. And I say, but I've got a job interview. Oh, you don't need that. I'm going to take great care of you when he's the one who was pressuring me to get the extra job. But anyway, so I get dressed in appropriate clothes. We go to this lunch, and um, I sign all of these forms. And his uncle informs me that I've just signed up for a life insurance policy that makes X number two the beneficiary, that there's a $20,000 Policy on both of my children. How generous of him! I never heard anything about any of his policies being, you know, making me the beneficiary. But I assumed with all of that that the medical insurance must have been folded up in there somewhere, and they're just not talking about it. So um, I-, I wanted to mention that because that is something very important in the story. Um, anyway, back to the present. Um, At this point in time, once we got back from the wedding, I got really sick, really, really sick, and I had to go to the doctor, but I've got medical insurance now, which is something I have not had since I moved here, so I go to the doctor, and I say, look, I don't have a card, but um, this is is who my husband is insured with, Um, this is who he works for, we live in a small town, so... I just assumed they could look it up on their computer or whatever. They're like, no, you're going to have to contact them for a copy of the card. Okay? So I text them, hey, can I get a copy of the insurance card um, so that I can be seen by a doctor? I'm really sick. Um, well, the thing is, I haven't signed you up for insurance. I said, okay. So what was all that sign? Well, that was just life insurance. And so bells start and alarms start going off in my head. We had talked about putting me and my kids on the medical insurance because that's important. But the life insurance was something that caught me off guard at the time. It raised blacks, but I thought maybe he was just being a nice guy. But now I find out I didn't get any medical insurance. My kids have zero medical insurance. And this whole time I could have put them back on Medicaid when I had taken them off. And I'm screwed. So I had to go back home. I had to just... Hope I got better. And I'm heartbroken because I've been lied to. Anyways, I did get better, obviously. Um, and he wooed me back in just thinking it was an accident and a mistake. And he would go ahead and get it taken care of that week. And he did. And, um, and here's the kicker. He did put us on his insurance, but he put all of our birth dates as his. So every time we would have to go to the doctor, because he knew nothing, cared nothing about us to to even try to learn our birth dates. So every time we'd have to go to the doctor, we would have to give five as our birthday, and it wasn't even the correct (laughs) birthday. Like, I've got a 10-year-old child here, and that's not their birthday, clearly, but that's what we're having to give anyway. Um, He did go ahead and and do that because he knew that I was on to him. Well... His parents start coming around a lot more at this point in time. I don't know why they're doing it. It's awfully suspicious. I'm, I've gotten a job by this time. I'm working for a law firm. And when I'm showing up home from work, they're already there. And they live over 30 minutes away. So it's kind of weird. And they're just always sitting in my living room. They're always bringing us stuff. They're there almost every night of the week. Then they ask me if I will, because X number two has not yet um, added himself to the property, um, if I will allot them a piece of the property, a piece of the six papers, so that they can build a house to be near their son. And I was so in love with these people and so wanting to please my parents, especially after I had displeased them so much with the first husband because they told me not to marry that guy. But this guy my parents adored. I, um, I was like, sure, I'll do whatever you want you know, I'll give you what, come on out here, we'll pick you out an acre, just let's do this, you know, and they had already started, you know, getting together contractors and seeing what kind of house they wanted to put out there, and all of this stuff gets set in the motion. This is probably about October of the year. Anyway, so October is the month we're in, and... He all of a sudden starts being very weird. He's disappearing. He's getting phone calls in the middle of the night and leaving the house saying he's got to go check on something at work. But when he leaves, he's only gone for like 20 minutes. His job's like further away than that. And then he comes right back. He's acting strange. He's disappearing a lot. Um,
0: are you telling? Are you telling your uh, parents about this? Because I assume that uh, you know you don't know or you don't trust anyone in town, or, or uh, maybe people back uh, from where you were. If you had like a best friend back home, are you telling them all about the weird things, or are you afraid to because they love him so much?
1: The thing is, with the shame and the humiliation I went through with the first one. I was afraid, too, because everyone adored this guy. He really put on this facade that just made everyone around him fall in love with him. He was very meek. He was very humble, very down-to-earth, very sweet acting. Now, I knew he had another side, but they didn't. But I was afraid because I also, partially because of the abuse I had been through before, I blamed myself. I thought maybe I was so defective, somehow I had caused this guy to like lose his cool all the time and have to call me names and have to you know do stuff to me well at one point he disappears he doesn't come back all night till about an hour before work he comes in he showers he doesn't say a word to me he uh, comes out of the shower dressed in his work gear and goes to leave and I stopped him and I said hey what is going on here and he said don't you ever talk to me like that and he slapped me across my face And I said, oh, my God, I'm reliving this. He's put his hands on me. What is going on here? Well, that evening he came home and he said, you know, you just make me so, uh, broke having to pay you and your children's bills and all the stuff, and which is not true because I'm paying part of the bills. I can't take this lifestyle anymore. I don't even have money to put money in my gas, in my, my boat, and I can't go fish like I want to and this and that, and you're just a pain, and I just can't deal with it. I'm leaving. And I was like, what? Why would you leave me? I still don't understand. We, we have, we have. Some money, everybody's got bills. Everybody runs into hard time. What are you talking about? You're just going to leave? And I said, no, 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 this can't happen. This can't happen because my parents are going to be disappointed in me, and I've got this mortgage to pay now. And so I jump in my car with my kids, and I take off to his parents' house because I think they're my allies. And I go over there, and I beg and I plead to know what is going on with him, why he didn't show up last night with there. Um, I really love him with all of my heart. All I want to do is make him happy. I don't understand why he's leaving me. Can you guys please talk to him? Please don't let him in this marriage so soon. I can make it work. I can fix whatever's broken in me. I mean, I was really brainwashed. And um, the whole time I'm there, I don't hear from him until right at the end where I get a text message from him and says, you stupid B-I-T-C-H, leave my parents' house now. Apparently, one of them had informed him. So, I was sad, brokenhearted. I left. I went home. By the time I got home, he was not here. His parents, this house came with no refrigerator. Um, His parents had bought the refrigerator as a wedding gift. He had taken this one man wanted me to believe that he moved an entire fridge by himself out of this house into the back of his truck and had left all of me and my children's food on the floor. Everything we had to eat on the floor to rot. I had to call my parents and I had to finally speak to them about this because I had to ask them for an ice chest and ice to keep some of my food, like my kids' milk and stuff. You know, and I was on his phone plan at this time because he wanted things in his name. He immediately cut my phone off. So I had no phone either. So I had to go over to my parents. I got the ice. Just got the ice. I admitted to them. I blamed myself completely for this. I said, I don't know what I've done. He's just, this is weird. It doesn't make any sense because with the first one, I explained with the first one, everything made sense. This guy knew what he was doing. He was uh, pro at it, and um, he knew how to set me up and gaslight me real good to where I really did feel guilty for something, and I knew exactly what it was, but with this this guy it wasn't like he was even trying he could just make up stuff and automatically i had to believe him and it which it just was what it was i don't know how to, he had me so mind twisted i don't want to say the word I'm thinking but he had me so mind twisted that i couldn't see left from right up from down i was a mess anyway um he's gone for an entire week and uh at nighttime, I have a garage outside, and at night, I can hear the garage door opening, and I'm scared. I'm here by myself out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I'm scared. I, I look out the window. I can't see anybody. But at night, I can hear somebody going in and out of my garage every night. My car's parked in there. It's a brand-new car. Anyways, within that week, my brand-new car won't crank. It won't crank. So... My mom takes me down to the local O'Reilly's auto parts store to uh, see if maybe they can help figure this out. Um, Because I don't have money to take it to a mechanic or get it towed. And one of the guys there happened to be experienced with vehicles. His name was such a sweet guy. He was a U.S. Army veteran. Very nice guy. Married, children, everything. He befriended me. I make friends easily. He's like, let me tell you something. I'm going to come over there and look at your car, and we're going to figure out what's going on. I am so sorry you've gone through all of this, you know, because I opened up to him. I was like, look, I'm going through a separation right now. I am heartbroken, and this is not what I needed, you know. And so he came over, and he brought his wife. I said, but I wouldn't feel comfortable unless you brought your wife with you. You know, I respect other people. Um, so he did. He brought her. Her name was Brooke. I made friends with her immediately. Her kids played with my kids. Um, um, used this stuff called gum out and flushed it through my gas tank and stuff. And what he said he thinks happened is that somebody put something in my fuel tank because he did a number of things. But basically, essentially what was happening is gas wasn't getting into the vehicle, Um, whether that be sugar or anything else. This guy had put something into my tank on my brand new car and i couldn't point the finger at him but apparently he was he was doing this um but i didn't know for sure it could be a neighbor or something so i left it at that well i was like i'm so thankful that you guys have done this for me i have no money to pay you to thank you but i'm cajun so let me make you a pot of gumbo tonight it's cooler outside it's a good thing i have the ingredients let me do it for you So I made them a pot of gumbo. They stayed over here. Their kids ate, and apparently I was right on my gut feeling that he was coming around because I get a text message from him, and it says, moved on so quickly. Now, this guy is supposed to be staying at his parents, which is over 30 minutes away, so how does he know that there's a vehicle in my yard? And I said, no, I have not moved on. What are you talking about? Well, you've got company over. And I said, well, my car broke down, and I've made some friends. He shows up and walks in like he's been here the whole time. And um, it's very weird about it. Like, we're all having fun. We're joking. We're talking. He doesn't come in and introduce himself. He doesn't come in and say hello. He sits in a chair and stares at everyone like, get out of my home. It made us all so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, that they gathered their kids and they left. I thanked them again, and I said I'd be in touch because I like making friends. And I let them go. Well, as soon as I left, he um, tells me I've got the refrigerator in the back of my truck, um, if you'll help me, because apparently he could get it out of the house, but he needed my help with the dolly to get it back in. Um, I'll go ahead and give it back to you. Uh, we're back together. And I said, we're back together. Okay. So he comes back in. He moves back in. I'm very uncomfortable about what he's saying. So I said, well, why don't we take our time? Why don't we start moving back in slowly? I do thank you for the refrigerator. I'm still not sure why you took that from me and my kids, but I'm glad to have it back. And, um, and maybe we could just ease our way back because there was something about me that was making you unhappy and I can't deal with heartache again. And he says, uh, no, 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 um, we're getting back together right away. And sure enough, by the very next night after work, he shows up with all of his bags and he's moved himself back in. And so he was back for around a week. And he comes home one night. I don't drink often, but I, like I said, I am Cajun. We like a good beer every night, now and then. He comes home one night with beer for me. I decided to open one up and clean the house, and you know, have it or whatever. And then I had two. My kids were asleep. I'm fine, whatever. Anyways, on the second beer, I decided I, um, I would go ahead and put it away in the fridge, and I did. But I had alcohol on my breath. And I was doing something in the kitchen, and out of the blue, this man walks up behind me and says, you know I never did love you, right? And grabs me with the back of my head against his chest, he was taller than me, and takes his arms, one arm wrapped, the left arm wrapped around my face across my mouth, and the right arm wrapped around my face, crushing my nose where I can't breathe. And he starts slamming all the weight of his arms into my face, and I can hear my nose cracking, what feels like my skull cracking. I can't breathe, and I can feel my teeth shifting in my head. He's pushing so hard. I'm I'm thinking he's trying to pop my head open. What is going on? And um, anyways, I uh, apparently passed out. Because I woke up and I was in the floor, and uh, he's standing over me almost like he's deciding what to do. And I don't think he's happy that I've woken up. I think at this point I'm wondering if he thought I was dead and was deciding what to do. And um, anyways... I flipped out. I freaked out. I said, why would you ever do that to me? Why would you hurt me like that? I think my nose is broken. Well, it won't quit bleeding. I'm in complete panic mode. I'm hyperventilating. Um, my children are asleep. I'm, I'm trying to keep it low so I don't wake them up. And I'm, I'm pretty messed up right now. because I've got flashbacks of number one coming back hardcore now because I've been through this stuff and I know what this is. And this is worse than anything number one ever did to me. This man just tried to crush my face, and I think mean, kill me, but I'm not quite sure. And he says, "Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't piss me off." And I'm like, "All I was doing was drinking the beer you gave me." Again, this makes no sense because he didn't even try to gaslight me or anything. Drinking the beer you gave me and cleaning the kitchen. Okay. Well, the whole next couple of days we do things together because i'm in such shock i apparently haven't kicked him out i'd never called the police i was scared that you know I've, I've already called the police so much on the first one that they would think this is becoming a common thing with me now and i was just scared i was scared i was out of my mind i was scared to tell my family because they loved him um i was scared of all of it i, I didn't know what to do and i'm going to work every day and my nose bled for like four days straight it, it just wouldn't stop bleeding um you know, it was on and off, but I knew it was broken. Um, anyway, he never apologized. I would ask him, why don't you apologize to me? Aren't you sorry for what you did to me? And he just stare at me blankly. Um, Anyways, after all of that, he went back into high flying romance time. We went back in best part of our relationship ever. He was in love and happy with me again, and we were all good and we were great this and that. And um, we're getting close to Christmas at this point. And um, we're, we're needing gifts for the kids. The kids expect Santa to come. They come every year. Well, um, I'm asking him, and he's saying, no, there's just no money for that. There's just no money for that. Um, in fact, I'm not seeing any of his paycheck anymore, even to pay his own truck note that he brought into the marriage. I'm not seeing any of it. He makes way more money than me. In fact, I'm paying all the bills. And I got in such a bind, I had to sell my garage because my garage was one of those tin metal buildings to make the extra money to make my house note that month. And I'm kind of wondering where all this money's going. Well, one night I come to come home for work, and I guess I guess I, I either forgot to pay the light bill or uh, I didn't have the money. I, I don't remember what exactly happened. I think I just forgot it, but I probably didn't have the money either. The lights were cut off and he got home work, home from work earlier than me. So he, he texts me, the lights are cut off, blah, 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 blah. And, um, anyways, he texts me, the lights are off, blah, 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 blah. And so I come home and I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. The light company is closed for the day. There's nothing we can do. I send my kids over to my parents to sleep for the night so they don't know because I don't want them to have memories like that. And the whole night, he is just vicious and crazy acting and telling me this is all my fault, picking this huge fight with me, and uh, this and that. The next morning, he gets up. He screams and hollers at me. He breaks a window through the front door. I panic because of what he's just recently done to my nose and my face. So I take off running down the road. He calls his father. He says, She's crazy. She takes off running barefooted down the road. I'm done, blah, blah, blah. So his dad shows up to mediate. And his dad says, What is going on between you two? He tells me that you just gave he just gave you his entire check with his Christmas his seven hundred dollar Christmas bonus on it. And you just blew right through every dime without paying any of the bills. What are you doing, girl? And I said, He is not and he was standing right there, smiling at me. And I said, he did not give me any money. he I have not seen a check of his in months. I've been paying all the bills by myself on a part-time job, making way less than he does. I said, tell him. Tell your father the truth. Be honest for once. He said, all I remember is I gave her the whole check, and it's gone. And that's why I'm so angry. Our lights are cut off, and she spent through all of our money. And I'm like, tell him the truth. And and just, I think I was in shock. I couldn't believe he just so easily, just such a blatant lie. So now I have to borrow money from my mother to get my lights cut back on, which I did. And I have to miss a day of work to do it because you have to, this small town, you have to go up to the place. You have to redo all this. You have to, I had to go up there and pay it and do all this for them to cut it back on. And, um, and I have no Christmas gifts for my kids yet. And so I am stressed to the max, stressed to the max. And so I go to work the next day and, um. And I know I had told you that I had he had cut off my phone. I did have my own phone at this time. I did get it shortly after he left me the first time. So this phone plan is in my name now. Um, but anyway, I went to work. I come back. His parents are here again, which is weird. And I've been crying all day. I, a few days from Christmas, I'm upset. I don't know what to do. My kids don't have gifts. This does not look good. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Just like talking behind my back. I think she's losing her mind. Oh, almost like character with witnesses, you know? Almost like like he had set them up to be there to look at how crazy he had made me finally. But not that he had made me crazy, that I had become crazy on my own. I don't know how else to explain it, but... They left all upset because they thought I was losing my mind. They were concerned for my children's safety and all this other stuff because I was a mess at this point. I'd been through a lot. Anyway, um, after they leave, he decides he's going to go... Um, visit our friends that we always go to um, their cookouts and stuff. He's gonna go to, I said, Well oh, okay, well you know what? I need a distressor. Let me go with you. I will get my mom to watch the kids. I'll get dressed. I need to get away from this for a minute. I am freaking out here. And maybe we can discuss the kids' Christmas gifts because you've not contributed anything and these kids aren't going to have a Christmas. And he's like, No, you're not going anywhere with me and he leaves. So I was friends with this lady. I called Lisa. I'm like, was I not invited? Why is he acting like I can't come? Um, Blah, blah, blah. Is he there? And other stuff like that. And basically the way it worked out is he never went there. And she was never having a cookout. It was the middle of the week. And uh, also she wanted to know why I was being such a stuck-up person at the wedding and then told me about what all he had said then. I wasn't responding to her text, and he was having to talk for me, and the things that he had said basically that um, I was too good to stay in their condo. I didn't want to be around them, just, you know, stuff like that. And I was, like, shocked. Well, next day, he doesn't show up the whole night. Next day after work, he shows up again. He's got beer for me again because apparently that worked the first time. He hands me the beer. He says, look, I'm sorry. Everything's going to be okay, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm pretty stressed out, so I had about three of them. And I put my kids to bed, and I start cleaning for the night. It's something I've always done. I clean at night. And uh, he comes in there and starts picking a fight with me out of nowhere. So I dumped out my beer, and I started warming up some breakfast burritos because I hadn't eaten dinner. And he stops the microwave and takes these hot breakfast burrito things out of the microwave and microwave and throws one at my face. It slaps me across my face and flies off onto the floor. So I run out of there because, again, I'm kind of scared of this guy. I know what he did to me last time. So I run into the living room, and I am standing by the Christmas tree trying to figure out, I guess, where I could hide. I don't know what was going through my mind. And he runs in there with the second breakfast burrito and throws it at my face again. And I slap. I get smacked with another breakfast hot breakfast burrito in the face. And this one flies into the Christmas tree. And I start yelling and screaming about how, you know, I should have never. I have finally lost this point. He has just pushed me too far. None of this makes sense. Just this is crazy. I did not sign up for this. And what does he do? He comes up behind me. And he does the same thing again. He puts his my head up against the back of his chest. He grabs me up. He puts his arm around my nose and one around my mouth and strangles me out. And I start kicking things down and, and, and trying to do anything I can. My little girl wakes up, who is about four at this point in time. And she comes in here and she goes, please, please, don't kill my mommy. Don't kill my mommy. Please, please, please don't kill my mommy. And I can see her. He's got one arm, the one of going over the nose, is covering one eye. But and I'm going in and out, but I can see her begging for my life, and I can't say anything. And I feel myself fading out, and I don't know how I woke up again that night because I'm almost positive I, he had that shocked look on his face again when I woke up. That he was dragging me by my ankles out of the out into the the kitchen. And I somehow escaped from his hands around my ankles. And I took off running in my nightgown in the middle of December. It was raining that night with my two little kids in, um, in tow. And we take off running to the nearest neighbor, um, which is not my parents. There is a house in between our land. It's the back part of my land that's adjacent to theirs. So, there is, like, a a Mr. Uh, George who lives next door to us, and he's a nice older guy. He lives alone, but he has a house, like, right here. So, we take off running barefooted in the rain, you know, right close to his house. I get to his house. I'm screaming. I'm freaking out. I'm upset. You know, I've got alcohol on my breath because he gave me beer. And, um, Mr. Dobb let us in and he said, I'm not going to let you in unless you let me call the police. And I said, do whatever you need to. I am scared out of my mind right now. I think this guy just tried to kill me. And, um, he called the police. Well, we saw the police show up over here. By the time that I had walked back over here with my children, um, He had already gotten a chance to talk with the police. And his story was, he was already packing things by the time they got there. His story was, look, um, I, I just told her I was leaving her. I have someone else. She's pregnant for me. And I told her that. She flipped out. She started beating herself up. And, uh, then she took off running, even though she's got a cell phone, which he had taken during the fight. I couldn't find it. And I was too panicked to even try to grab it. I just wanted to get out of the house. Um, you know, took off just for attention. And this is what she does. She's too crazy. I can't put up with her anymore. I told her I'm moving on. Um, this is it. I had no idea he had anyone else, nor did I know he had a baby on the way. I have no idea about this stuff. The cop comes and gets me. I'm freaking out pretty hard at this point. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I do look like the crazy one. My hair is here to there. I've got blood all down my face. Um, And the police officer asked me what happened. And I told him. And now I've just told you the story. How many people would believe that story? I mean, to have hot breakfast burritos thrown at your face and... And this and that. And there was two cops there. There were two cars that showed up. The first cop looks and he says, oh, come on, man. This is crazy. Just let the guy go. He's packing his stuff anyways. Let's go on. we got more important stuff to do. But the other cop says, no, man, I think I'll stick around and investigate this a little further just because there's kids involved. Why don't you go, man? I know there's another call. And so the other cop goes. And this cop, thank God for him, walks into my house. He sees the hot breakfast burrito in the Christmas tree, and he sees the other breakfast burrito in the floor. He sees my blood spatter all over the wall where I've told him this kind of strangled me out at. And he stops for a second to talk to my 4 year old child who explains it verbatim how it happened because this incident has woken her up, so she's seen it all. And they arrest him. And so, um, basically, he went to jail for that night. I never slept, but the next day, my dad took me to the hospital as a victim of a violent crime um because he was strangling me with the intent of killing me. Um I have the right to get a phone call when he is car uh, whenever anybody bails him out of jail or anything like that. I'm sitting in the doctor's office having my face examined because I'm scared he's really, I don't even feel like when I look in the mirror I look like the same person. I'm pretty beat up at this point. I look pretty awful. Um, my eyes are swollen up. My nose is a completely different shape. I was once a beautiful girl and now I'm ugly again just like when I was a kid. I was pretty devastated and I get the phone call that he's being released. So I hurried up I told the doctor, hurry up. I need to get home. I need to protect my thing. We were supposed to change the locks after this. I'm so scared. Anyways, it took too long, and his dad had already made it here by that point. So we pulled back up into my driveway and his father is already there and he's got the back hatch of his truck down as if he's ready to load up the refrigerator and take it from me again and any of, the, of this guy's personal belongings and he's pretty mad and he's, he's, he's acting weird and so I try said please don't take our fridge again please I didn't ask for this listen I, I don't think you understand I have done everything in my power towards this guy and I still don't know what I've done wrong to deserve this please my kids and I need a refrigerator please leave it and he says, um, uh, yeah, oh, okay, fine, I'll leave it. But, but what are you talking about? Like, he doesn't know anything. Like, he's not the one who just bailed his son out of jail because the son is nowhere to be found. Um, but apparently, uh, he's acting like he knows nothing. So I tell him what happened. He says, well, if this is true, I'll do this and that, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it's true, blah, blah, blah. Well, next thing you know, the bail Swansman shows up with my ex. Him, he jumps into his vehicle and leaves. His dad jumps in his vehicle and leaves. Everybody's gone. And I'm thinking, well, my marriage is over. I've got to start coming clean with my entire family. And this is the last of the grand total of maybe three, four months, this whole marriage in total. And, um, And I still don't know what happened why I deserved any of this. I still can't put two and two together. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And anyway, I start talking to my mom because my mom wants a work up of everything. She's a good mom. She tries to give us space when we need it, but she also tries to be there when we do need her too. And she tells me that for the last couple of weeks, he's been stopping by their house before he comes home from work and telling her, you know your daughter has a drug problem, don't you? You know your daughter doesn't want to work. She wants to sit at home all day. You know your daughter has a drinking problem, don't you? And my mom knew me well enough to know better than that. I've never tried drugs. And um anyways, it, it was shocking to me that, he was on a smear campaign before me. He ended this and had been for months because then my papa comes around and starts telling me about things he said about me to him. And everybody that I had avoided talking to was hearing things about me, but they had avoided talking to me too. This guy had manipulated the situation, the situation so much that even my papa was heartbroken. It was like this guy had broken up with him as well. Everybody was heartbroken, and no one could understand why or or how this happened. And I still don't have gifts for my kids, and now we're like two days from Christmas. So my mom was kind enough to buy the gifts on the promise that I would pay her back on my next paycheck, and I did. And she bought me a few gifts for my kids, and I start getting prepared for Christmas. Meanwhile, he knows he's got a trial coming, and it's basically attempted murder, and so, um, and I'm definitely pushing forward with it because I'm pretty upset. Someone has fooled me again and I'm heartbroken. And so, um, immediately he starts the stalking. Um, immediately, uh, uh, in fact, the day we got back from shopping for the gifts, my kids were with my father and my mother and I had gone to town to try to get what we could and I had, um, Going ahead and I was going to put them in the front closet. So she said, I'll drop them off at your house and then I will go back to my house. I'll grab them and I'll just bring them back to you. They'll give you enough time to put them away so that they can't find them because they still believed in sin and stuff. And then you can get everything together. Blah, blah, blah. So I did. I put them in the closet. And during this time, my nerves were shot. So I had to go to the bathroom pretty bad and my stomach was upset. And I couldn't even, I didn't even have time to shut the door. So I go run to the bathroom and i'm sitting on the toilet which faces the doorway and i've got a bedroom to either side of that door and all of a sudden i see this black shadow almost peek at like almost like it's peeking its head out the door, but not wanting the person who's attached to the shadow to be seen. And I watch it. It's like trying to listen to see what's going on, and it's it's like trying to figure out what to do. I see it scratch its head. It's definitely a man shadow. And next thing I know, I hear footsteps. I hear the window slam open in there, and apparently someone jump out. And I'm stuck on the There's no way I can get off. My stomach was very upset, and I'm humiliated because the door was open. It was him. He was in there trying to do something already. So I knew he was breaking in. My mom's like, okay, we'll fix this. We'll nail the windows shut that don't lock, switch the windows that didn't lock. We'll change the locks on all your doors. We'll get this fixed and um because we had figured out that also the day the dad came over and he had all my doors unlocked who had unlocked and opened all the doors while we were on our honeymoon it was him they all apparently had keys to my house and they were all definitely in on this anyway um changed all the locks and nailed all the windows shut that weren't available to um lock and then they stopped stalking only continued the very next Time that I was able to go to work once I was healed enough. I come home from work. I start to feed my kids dinner. I hear four-wheelers in my yard, and they're, like, sound like they're by my back door. So I step outside, and here he is with a pregnant girl on the back of his four-wheeler, and he's got a huge group of friends, and they're all on four-wheelers, and they're all screaming and hollering names at me and stuff like that. So, of course, I call the cops again because I had gotten an emergency protective order, Uh, but by then he was gone, you know, by the time they made it there, he was able to get out of here and, and he would, and and during this time between then and the trial, he would do stuff like I would come home from work and there would be a note on my bed and it would say, you know how much I love you. You know how much I care about you, and just trying to woo me back. that he wouldn't sign his name, and it would be typed or something like that. It would always be to where if I wanted to take the bait, I knew whose number to call. But if I tried to call the police about it, there's no way to frame them, right? And um, anyway, the stalking and harassment continued for months on end until finally the trial came around, and I had been diagnosed with PTSD. I no longer looked like the same person. He had ruined my face. And um, I was depressed. I couldn't go no more. And I decided... Maybe if I give him the plea deal and instead of letting them go through and try him for the 20 years, he's facing, If I let him get the plea deal and I agree with the district attorney, he just gets probation. He gets a permanent restraining order from me. Everything is said and done. We're done with each other, and I can finally have peace. Well, because the stalking was daily. It was daily. And, um... Anyways, I I went ahead with it. He got got everything he wanted by getting away basically scot-free for trying to take my life. And uh, he walked away clean. Well, he had made friends all around me, so it wasn't too long after that I found out about what his little scheme was. I found out that he did, in fact, he was cheating on me the whole entire time, that he did get a girl that was much younger than me pregnant. Uh, They had a baby on the way, which would make obvious sense why he was desperate for the money. Um, Then I found out at another point that he had gotten addicted to methamphetamines, and that's apparently where his paychecks were going, or the most of them. And um, so, I—that's every reason to want to cash out on two twenty-thousand-dollar insurance policies. And 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 here I am. I've already dropped the charges. I've let the trial go through. I've done it all. So there's no way to go back and say, "Hey, wait! I changed my mind, District Attorney." <laughs> it sounds pretty scary locking back up. So, I um, I basically had to just accept it except that this person had married me most likely from day one, considering he had put the life insurance on me two days after, two or three days after we got married. He had put the life insurance policy on me only to kill me at some point, and possibly my children, most likely my children, because who doesn't want $40,000 extra money? And that's all I'm good for. That's my entire worth. And now that he's gone, he's changed the way I look altogether, so I'll never be the same person again. I had a lot of coping to do. And he's been able to move on with his life, free as he's ever been, and just have probation and um you know, a restraining order. You know, it was very scary for me. It was very upsetting. But I said, well, at least, you know, when I file this divorce, I'm going to make it very clear that if he hasn't already gotten rid of the insurance policies, that it needs to be done. And that's what I did. I, I filed the divorce and I did all of that. And um long story short, after he got his way, a lot of the stalking did stop. He still had, um, he still had, uh done some of the stalking but not as much and he had actually i found out from my ex number one who was trying to be all buddy buddy with me now that i was newly single that uh he had actually contacted him and was trying to get him to testify against me and stuff like that like he was getting all his ducks in a row and um anyway years down the road I mean, this is the end of the story. But years down the road, I am working at a new law firm full-time. I've completely gone through counseling. My children have gone through counseling. Our life is brand new. I've started a new relationship. I get a piece of letter a in, mail in, um, in. I've never gotten a piece of mail from this insurance company, so I open it. And it says, you're 30 days late on your policy, premium payment, monthly payment, or whatever you call it. He still had the life insurance policy on me, and I do believe that until that day, that that was God stepping in because when I found that piece of mail in my mailbox, I immediately called them and said, cancel any policy under these three names. But until that point in time, he was still, and he was going to wait for the new to wear off of everything, and he was going to come back and, like, burn my house down in the middle of the night because I was nothing more than a cash transaction for him. I was easy money.
0: So now that, you know, this has happened, you canceled all the insurance, you went through the process of uh, healing and PTSD. How long did it take or or do you still battle your PTSD? I
1: battle it. Uh, I don't think it ever fully goes away. They made me do a lot of different things. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I was hearing voices. I was so traumatized. I apparently weren't there, but I still to this day believe they were because I heard them and all that. So it took a very long time in counseling, but I'm not full healed, but I'm a lot better than where I was. A lot better.
0: And um, how are your children doing?
1: They're doing um, better. They're good. Um, my daughter... Still has flashbacks of what she witnessed. She's now ten years old, but she still has flashbacks. And but my son, he's he's fine. You know, it it, he's sad because he did love this man very much, and he especially loved this man's father very much. And so he's sad that they're gone. But he, he didn't actually witness that night. She did. And so it, she was pretty traumatized. But they'd gone through counseling. They're doing a lot better. They did used to tell me whenever this all was going, like but right before the trial and everything like that, a few months, it was like a six-month waiting period before, between the time it happened and the trial. They would tell me that they saw him at their school. He'd be standing outside of the fence waving at them. Crazy stuff. Like crazy stuff that he would be coming to their school, taunting them was that.
0: And, but
1: they 're better now,
0: and you also said that you're now in a relationship, so how difficult after going through uh, husband number one who presented um, you know abuse in a, in a different way than this, so still still like this, but not to to this extreme level, husband number two, how do you trust other people again, and how do you trust your judgment again, and what were the processes um, that you went through with uh, I guess your therapist, your a trauma specialist, and maybe your church?
1: Well, okay, so during the time that I was with him, I because of the first the first Relationship. I had kind of gone away from my faith. That's why I was willing to go to his church. I'm Catholic. And so I had completely strayed away from my faith. I was dabbling in other religions, but I really wasn't a very faithful person or anything like that. I completely went back to God. I 100% went back to God immediately, wholeheartedly. And God was the only man in my life for two years. I couldn't even be near another man. I remember... Uh, like eight months after it happened, a boy walked up to me in Walmart, a man, whatever, boy, man, he walked up to me, I was in the freezer section, and he asked me for my phone number, and I dropped the bag of uh corn, I had like a steam bag of corn in my hand, and I started crying and staring at him, it was insane, like he probably got the shock of his life like all I did is ask her for her number, and she, I just just started crying, I was Scared. I was freaking out. I dropped my stuff out of my hands. He ran away. Um, so God was the only man in my life for two years. And then I wasn't ready to date whenever I did start dating again. I had known this guy since high school, um, the one that I date now. I know his whole family. I had constantly... He had been after me for years and years and years since high school. And I... I don't know, I don't maybe it was the distance between us or something or, you know, I just always would reject him. I just I wanted him to be on the friendship level and nothing more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he waited and he was patient and uh, eventually I gave him a shot and it was a very slow process. It wasn't like I was ready to just jump right back into it or trust him again and he has had an uphill battle with me. Because there are times where I push him to his breaking point, accusing him of things or thinking this or thinking that. And he has to be patient and know, you know, I had to explain to him, here's what I am. Here's what I've been through. I am damaged goods. And if you're walking into this, you need to know this because I'm going to switch you to your limits and I'm not going to mean to do it and I do have PTSD and I don't think you ever get rid of it like as far as I've heard you don't ever completely heal it's uh it's like a the, the switch in your brain that makes you have coping mechanisms it's almost the way I try to explain it to people where you can cope in normal situations or even like extreme situations or anything. Like, if that switch breaks and so there are no coping skills. I'm scared all the time. I think people are watching me. I think I'm being followed. I have a lot of issues because of what I've been through. Um, but I'm a lot better now. Um, and, but he has helped me to trust men again because when I think he's cheating on me, he says, no, you know, I love you. Here's my fault. You know, or when I think, Uh, Like, one time, we got into an argument, and he he loves me, but he's not going to put up with me, okay? If I start yelling and getting into his face, he's going to be like, hey, you know. And when he did, I freaked out. I, like, almost fell out on the ground. I got scared. I wanted to run away. I wanted to break up right away. I didn't want nothing to do with him. But... He knew what just calmly was like, "No, I will never put my hands on you. I will never hurt you. You know, this is this is gonna be okay." And he's had a lot of work to do as far as it's like my counseling and stuff. The things that she most helped me. She's actually the best counselor. Like God put me into her office. Her husband is a, a U.S. Army veteran, and he has PTSD. So. She was the best help I could have ever got. She gave me tools that would help me in everyday life so that eventually, because I couldn't work. They took me out of work completely that first whole year. Then she wouldn't let me go back to work. She made me get my feet wet again. I was able to work at a, a Dollar Tree store part time just to get my feet wet to see that handle working. And then finally, after all of that, it's like a job landed in my lap, almost like I was on the right path because I had found God again. All of a sudden, this law firm's like, hey, we want you, you know. Um, but she gave me techniques like um, when I think people are following me, like if they're in cars or they're staying, I have to make up. The thing is, with PTSD, when you are um, – Do you think someone? You always think people are following you and stuff like that, but you don't look at them. It's like you see them out the corner of your eye. And she's like, "I want you to look them dead in the face." And the other thing is like restricted areas or people um, getting in your space or making you feel confined in any way or anything like that. You know, she's like, even if you're on a bus and you need them to stop, you say, "Hey, I need you to stop the bus," and you get out and you walk around. But you need to have clear boundaries. You need to respect those boundaries, and you need to take the time, whatever time that is, that you need to heal. And she just gave me, like, lots of useful techniques to use to help me. And it took a long time to even make me use those techniques because it took a lot of courage I was scared of the world after this man. I mean, I did not ever, I I swore I was never going to, Jesus was the only man for me. But then, you know, this guy came along and I gave him a chance. I didn't go out and go on dates or anything like that. There was no more of any of that for me. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how we, um, that's how it happened.
0: So before we end off our show today, do you have uh, words of advice for people who are uh, going through the same thing uh, that you went through?
1: Yeah, I would just, I would say, number one, if you've ever been through it, know that when you walk away, you are a walking target. You need to take the proper time and counseling that it, it requires to heal yourself because I thought I was healed. I thought I was good. I felt good. I mean, I had gotten away from this man and I didn't take the proper steps that I need. And so I was a walking target for an even worse man. And two, I mean, um, when people start showing you, when people show you with their actions and their words, their true color, believe them. Don't think it's in your head or anything like that. It, What they are showing you is who they are. If they say it to you once, they mean it. Um, And the other thing would probably be um, if anybody tries to put a life insurance policy on you but doesn't even give you a real wedding or a honeymoon and it's like two days after the shotgun wedding, you might want to get a little bit uh, curious about what's going on.
0: Well, Kelly, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy um, you are uh, on the healing journey, and that you found someone new, and that your kids are doing well. Uh, your story is going to help a lot of people. You know, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so uh, you know, thank you very much for being here and sharing your story and we might do uh, a story of your first story as well but but we'll uh get there so from the bottom of my heart thank you for being here with me today thank you and for everyone else who is listening i hope you have a good night